Podcast. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Well, Zach, a good start for the Green Bay Packers. 522 total yards, 31 first downs, punted just once. Aaron Rodgers looked like he looked amazing in this game. The Packers beat the Vikings 43-34. It wasn't even that close. Uh, what's your what? What should Packers fans be most happy about right now? Yeah, I think you have to be me most happy about Aaron Rodgers because it was really a, a vintage Aaron Rodgers performance. I know we talked about this a little bit last week, Ryan, but just about how comfortable he was in the offense and how that would translate to the field. You know, I, I wrote a bunch already this week. I thought he was decisive, he was accurate, aggressive, creative. You know, when he can combine all those things, he's a really dangerous guy. So yeah, that's got to be the the top thing coming out of Sunday. Now you you know he was good when you can use like 10 different adjectives that they're all positive for him and, exactly and one of, for me watching Rodgers over the years I feel like he has a tendency to throw off his heels throw with because he's so good he can throw when he's leaning kind of you know leaning awkwardly we don't see Rodgers getting rid of the football in two and a half three seconds setting his feet putting the ball on a receiver with timing routes we don't see that we, we haven't gotten to see that a lot and man when if LaFleur can get him to do that, which it seems like he can, like it seems like he is, my goodness, Rodgers is like one of the, he's probably the best quarterback in football when he's just setting his feet on time, put the ball on a guy. Like, I mean, what do you think yeah, about that? I mean, I mean, obviously neither of us are quarterback coaches or, or head coaches, but yeah, he talked about that all the time this offseason. Just, you know, he, he was comfortable with the reads, with the timing, the progression. So he could just, you know, three-step drop, five-step drop, and the ball was out. Like you said, 2.5 seconds of his 44 attempts, 31 were thrown, you know, within 2.5 seconds of the snap. So he was decisive. He was getting the ball out of time. I think that was a big reason why he was so accurate, too, because he was balanced. He was, you know, he was throwing off two feet. It was it was an impressive performance from him. Zach, I don't want to shower you with too much love, but you did call that, you know, you said, look out for these Packers, this Packers offense in, in year number two of LaFleur's offense. So they looked really good. You were also all over Marquez Valdez-Scanling, MVS. And he looks like a different dude. He was targeted six times, caught four of them, 94 yards, a touchdown. I think you wrote he had the league leading 24 yards per catch. So you called it, Zach. Got to give you props. That kid looks good. Yeah, I, I told you I was buying the hype and, and Sunday showed why. You know, his, his speed can really change games. He he had the two big drops and those were those were two big plays that he missed. But he also had two huge catches where, you know, he won at the line of scrimmage. He blew past the corner with speed and he made a big play down the field. Made a nice catch on both of them. So it was a wild experience for MVS. I think we were kind of expecting that because that's kind of how his career has been. It's kind of been a roller coaster. But, you know, when he was on, he looked like a difference maker. And you, you really can't argue with, you know, 96 yards and a touchdown out of your number two or number three receiver. In our first podcast episode, I had Corey Bonini of the huddle.com on and we were talking about Devontae Adams. I was talking about Adams potentially supplanting Michael Thomas as the number one fantasy receiver. I think with his volume of targets, with his, his potential to get double-digit touchdowns, which I think is he's well on pace now to do. I just thought Adams could be a beast, and we saw it again, right? He's just This kid is just racks up targets, racks up. He had 14 catches, two touchdowns. I mean, what do you think about Adams' chance to get like to have like a Michael Thomas type of year, like 150 catches, 1,500 yards, 10-plus TDs this season? <laughs> I don't know about 150 catches, but I, I think he's a very good bet to go over 100 plus catches. You know, the Vikings threw just about every one of their young corners at him on Sunday and no one could cover him. And Rogers talked after the game. He's, he said that him and Devontae have a Jordy Nelson like connection, which is kind of scary because those two guys are always on the same page. And I think he saw that that first touchdown really showed how 
how lockstep these guys are because, you know, Rodgers is rolling out to his right. Adams uncovered for just a second in the corner of the end zone. And Rodgers threw it right on a line to him. You know, those two, those two guys are special together. 14 catches on 17 targets. And you could probably say that Devontae dropped two of those. He, he dropped a third touchdown on fourth down and he had a little bobble on the sideline. So he probably should have had 16 catches on Sunday. As great as the offense was, Zach, there's still a few question marks on D. We're not sure about the run defense still, as you wrote, even though they did bottle up Dalvin Cook pretty good. Uh, we're, we're not sure. Game flow kind of maybe had something to do with that. And uh, But what do you think about the defense overall? Uh, Chris Barnes, you guys wrote about him coming as an undrafted rookie linebacker having a big role playing 15 snaps. What was your take on the defense? Yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag. I think uh, the run defense still looks like it could be a, a potentially major problem. You know, Cook and Madison still combined for, I think it was 100 total rushing yards and a couple scores, even though they only ran it like 15 times. So I think the full of the game really helped the Packers out. You know, they dominated the ball on offense and eventually got out to a big lead. So the Vikings couldn't really run it, but they took it to them on that first drive. And, you know, I, I will say the the defense gave up 24 of their they're 34 points in the fourth quarter when the game was kind of in hand. So, you know, I I think there's a lot of things to work with on the defense. And like you said, Chris Barnes had a nice game, undrafted rookie out of UCLA. He was a huge surprise starter at linebacker, but he played well. You know, there was some bright spots. Jair Alexander had a couple of big plays, but I, I do think the, the defense has some work to do going into week two. Well, here comes our fantasy segment from the huddle. And, and those who waited on Aaron Rodgers, let him be like the 13th, 14th quarterback drafted. Boy, are you feeling good about yourself right now? Because he looks real good. He looks real good. We'll be right back on the Packers Wire podcast. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to talk to you about some fantasy football sleepers for week two. After a heartbreaking loss last week in which Phillip Rivers cost his team the win, he takes on a Minnesota Vikings defense that was completely destroyed by Aaron Rodgers in week number one. No team gave up more fantasy points to quarterbacks last weekend. Minnesota has an inexperienced group of cornerbacks, and a veteran like Phillip Rivers will find a way to get it done. It may not be completely pretty, but expect close to 300 yards and three touchdowns. Tampa Bay running back Ronald Jones has the best matchup in fantasy football entering week two. Carolina was gashed by Josh Jacobs for three touchdowns last week after being the worst fantasy run defense in 2019. Tom Brady needs help and it has to come on the ground. San Francisco signed wide receiver Mohamed Sanu this week, but it's Kendrick Bourne who's the better play at the New York Jets, a defense that gave up the second most catches and third most reception yards to wide receivers last week. Finally, Marquez Valdez-Scantling faces the Detroit Lions. He scored a touchdown last week from Aaron Rodgers and faces a Detroit defense that gave up a game-costing bomb of a touchdown to Anthony Miller late last week. Expect Aaron Rodgers to challenge downfield. For more fantasy news and analysis, check out thehuddle.com. Yeah, very strange, Mike. I think one of the strangest experiences that I've had in the NFL uh, to be in a, a stadium like this and to have memories uh, of some really rocking time. I think about last year, you know, we're playing for the division, um, just how electric that uh, atmosphere was. First time we opened it up, you know, a few years ago as well. I mean, just the noise this place can generate. Um, it's a lot different and strange. You know, like I said, I know I said that before, but just a strange feeling um, with nobody in the stands and it doesn't let you kind of know uh, if a play is a good play sometimes because you're so used to, uh, you know, if the noise persists, 
probably an incompletion or a good play by the defense. If the noise stops, then you know it was a, a good play for the offense. There was no noise. So we had to bring our own uh, kind of energy today. And offensively, I, I really liked our rhythm and our execution. Aaron Rodgers, Zach, talking about what must have been a really eerie feeling in the uh, in, in Vikings country on Sunday. And I think as viewers watching it on TV, we see the empty seats, but I don't think we feel it in the game experience as much. I thought the football was pretty good across the board, you know, across the league in week one considering. But for the players, it had to be really weird to be in those empty stadiums and not hear anything. And we heard guys like saying it felt like a scrimmage, saying it felt like a practice. It's just interesting to hear Rodgers kind of describe how different it really was. Yeah, I, I was there in the press box on Sunday and it was definitely weird. You I were there. All right. That. Awesome. What, yeah. what was your perspective on it? Yeah. I mean, usually at U.S. Bank Stadium, you have a pounding headache by about the second quarter. And on Sunday, you could actually hear Aaron Rodgers' cadence from the press box. So it was really cool. That part of it was cool. But just that, it, it, it was so empty and quiet and everything echoed. And that was so weird. You know, you, you're just used to being in that stadium and having it be so loud, just relentlessly loud the entire game. And it really, you know, the, the ambient sound they had playing in the stadium was not loud at all. I was really surprised. I thought it was going to be a little bit louder and maybe a little more disruptive. But it was just oddly quiet the entire game. You could hear all the players exactly what they're saying. I, I will say it was kind of cool. Rogers was kind of hit on it there, but after all the big plays, you, you know, you kind of wait for the stadium to react to a big play. And really all you could hear was the sideline, the players on each respective sideline celebrating. So, you know, and that just echoed through the stadium. So it was weird. It is, it was an experience I'll never forget, but it was definitely weird. Yeah, that, that is interesting. And, you know, when I think about Rogers and I want to get a little bit more into his day, uh, I think that, you know, I, I as you know, I live in New England. I grew up watching the Patriots. I grew up watching Tom Brady. And I think back to 2014 when Tom Brady was coming off kind of a, a suspect year for him. You know, it wasn't a great statistical year in 2013. The Patriots go and draft Jimmy Garoppolo in, early in the second round in 2014. And then Brady comes out and just goes off, leads the team to a Super Bowl. That's That was the year they beat the Seahawks. And Brady has this three, four, five more awesome years leading the Patriots to Super Bowls. And I just can't help but think there's something similar going on with Rodgers. He just looks locked in motivated and the Packers moving up to draft Jordan Love. I know we talked about this last week, but moving up to draft Jordan Love, not really doing anything to help his weapons besides letting a lumbering tight end uh, Jimmy Graham kind of walk in free agency, right? So uh, I got to think that he's motivated to say, hey, yo, I'm not done. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be human nature, doesn't it? I mean, they bring in this young guy that they obviously really like, even though you got four years on your contract, like you don't bring in a first round quarterback unless, you know, you're I, I won't say they were trying to send a message, but it it was clear it was clear to everyone. It had to have been clear to Rogers that you know he's got to step up and he's going to have to earn his next three four years in Green Bay if he wants to stay. So I, I think it was human nature. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a transcendent talent. He probably doesn't need that kind of motivation, but it's human nature. And- I'm sure it pushed him a little bit. As a Packers fan, you've got to love his response to it. You know, if if this is his response, I mean, I know it's just a take. You know, who knows if that's really the, the case? But if this is his response, man, that's a good sign. But you talked about his cadence. Uh, you could probably hear this in the press box. You guys wrote about this too. He's drawing the Vikings offside three times in their own empty stadium. I mean, Rodgers was literally at one point kind of toying with the Vikings defense. Right? He he was doing whatever he wanted. You know, rolling out to his right and just killing them on the you know rolling out of the pocket in the pocket. Uh, drawing them off sides when he want, you know, wanted to pick up a quick five yards. I mean, it was it was wild to see him do that to the Vikings in their own stadium when usually he wouldn't be able to do that with the with the crowd noise. 
Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers in empty stadiums is going to be a big problem for people. Seriously. I mean, but we we could hear we could hear his cadence in the press box, and it's just amazing how he he changes it up and he changes the speed and the things he's saying. I can see why it's so hard for pass rushers to time it out because you think you got it figured out, and then he changes it up or he extends it or he says a different word or something. It it was pretty impressive. I'm I'm sure he's going to be drawing a lot of people off sides this year. Yeah, that'll be interesting to follow. And uh, you know, one thing we didn't see a lot of is uh, the rookie running back AJ Dillon. Do you think that was more, you know, game flow, just the way the game played out, or, or do you think that they kind of got their the two running backs ahead of them, Jones and and Williams, are kind of going to be the the one two punch? I think Jones and Williams are going to be the one two punch. They're the veteran guys. They they can do everything. They can you know pass protect. They can get out in routes and make plays in the passing game. I think maybe Jamal Williams was the biggest threat to to lose playing time to Dylan, but he. He improved as a receiver, and they love him as a pass blocker. So I think until you know Dylan is 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 more proven as a pass blocker and a, a bigger factor in the passing game, he's he's probably only going to get a couple carries every game as the third running back. Well, Zach, if you felt funny in an empty U.S. Bank Stadium in in Minnesota, wait till you go to Lambeau this week. Oh my goodness, that's going to be weird. Oh, it is going to be a very weird experience. I, I don't know. Seeing seeing a stadium with no fans, it, it really does feel like a like you're watching a scrimmage or like a high school game or something. It it's a weird experience. It, football is meant with with uh, fans in the stadium, especially Lambo. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Packers coming home to face the Lions. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by Jeffrey Clark of those same two affiliations. And here's what you need to know about the Week 2 Monday Night Football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Las Vegas Raiders. The Saints are minus 228 money line favorites. The Raiders are plus 190 home dogs. Saints laying minus five and a half points. Raiders plus five and a half. On the other side, Jeff, how do you feel about Saints Raiders on Monday Night Football? I love Saints to spoil um, Raiders Vegas debut and premiere. Uh, I'm a little nervous about Michael Thomas being out, of course, but Jeff Jacobs is not going to be able to produce on the ground and get into the end zone, hit pay dirt as much as he was against the weak Carolina Panthers defense. I like the Saints to actually be uh, key to victory due to their defense. Give me the Raiders. Saints without Michael Thomas, that's a big loss. I'll take the Raiders at home, plus five and a half. They'll keep that within a field goal. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin' Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Zach. So I guess the only question I have between Packers-Lions, Packers are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Do you think this Packers team is susceptible to a letdown, or what's the history with the Packers coming off kind of a nice big win? Is there any danger of them playing down to their opponent this week? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you go on the road and you, you beat a divisional rival in a, in a unique week one experience. I, I think maybe a letdown is is possible. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll say the, the Lions gave the Packers all they could handle last year. You really have to consider that. The Packers mm-hmm. won both those games on, on game-winning field goals as time expired last year. So 
the Packers can't come into Sunday thinking they're just going to roll over this Lions team that, that really should have beat the Bears last week. So, yeah, this is this is going to be a big test regardless of, of the records. You know, for someone who's looking at this line, six and a half, it's under a touchdown. For me, it's like, man, watching what the Lions let Mitch Trubisky do to them in the fourth quarter last week, it's really tempting to jump on this Packers line for them to cover. The Lions have three cornerbacks that are hurt. They're, they're three starters. Justin Coleman just went on IR. Okuda, their first-round pick, he missed week one and might not play. Desmond Trufant got hurt. I think they think he might be able to play on Sunday, but he's probably going to be questionable. So, you know, you have these Packers receivers that just caught four touchdown passes and went for, I think, 315 yards. And now they're going to face a a secondary with the top three cornerbacks out. So, you know, maybe this is trending towards a blowout, but but we'll see. Last week, we talked about the Packers and Vikings line and we looked at the Packers being underdogs. I ended up putting some money down on the money line for the Packers. That worked out nicely for me. But we also talked about possibly the under hitting and and that didn't work out there's 77 we, points scored last week so uh, yeah we, we got that totally wrong we did we did and you know what we, we can we can admit when we're wrong right so oh, the, yeah, so the over sure. the over under with the lions is at 49 and a half uh what do you feel are you feeling like a high scoring game what how are the packers and line games uh historically are, are they more high yeah. scoring or low uh, yeah, last year they were I, I don't think they were necessarily high scoring but this game definitely feels like it could trend towards towards high scoring you know the, the Lions scored you know a decent amount of points on a pretty good Bears defense last week they they got some good receivers Stafford's healthy that that Packers defense didn't look great in week one and obviously we just talked about the Lions issues on defense and those those three cornerbacks hurt and how good the Packers offense looks so yeah this could be a game where there's a lot of points scored I'd think yeah so I, I think I like the Packers at, at minus six and a half and I think I like the over as long as it stays under 50 Right now it's at 49 yeah. and a half, so it might be a good time to jump on it. So we'll see. Good chance, Zach, for the Packers to go to 2-0 and here. For sure. Yeah, this is this is another division game. These are these are important games. Uh, Matt LaFleur is now 7-0 and in his first seven uh, division games. So he'll look to go to, to 8-0 to start his head coaching career against the NFC North on Sunday. I love it, man. Looking forward to another weekend of some football and looking forward to breaking this thing down next week. Thanks for joining me. For sure. Thanks, Ryan. Talk to you next week. All right, yeah. We'll be back next week on the Packers Wire podcast. Talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.